Baseball Tonight, the podcast. This is the Baseball Tonight podcast for Friday, September 2nd, 2022, and today will be better than yesterday. Producing from the Schwink Studios uh, in the foothills of Connecticut is Taylor Schwink. Sarah Abbott is working from the Sarah Abbott Studios, which today have moved to her apartment. I'm Buster Only. I am in Cleveland, where I drove last night through Pennsylvania. And I got to listen to Tom Hamilton's call of the Guardians-Baltimore game on TAM for a few hours, pretty much the entirety of the game. And what I heard was total domination, Taylor, by your Orioles. Just uh, taking out a division-leading squad, you know, after, you know, taking two or three from the Astros. So it's it's been a pretty good week on the road. Got a big homestand against the A's this weekend. Pretty, pretty high on the Orioles right now. They, they've got me feeling good. I'm drinking the Kool-Aid for sure. Well, and you should be, and they continue to creep upward in the standings. I think their record since sometime in the middle of May is like 45 and 24. Their domination of Cleveland last night started with the first pitch of the game. Shane Bieber on the mound, Cedric Mullins at the plate. Bieber and Mullins encased in the shade, and it'll be Shane Bieber to Cedric Mullins. One all-star to another, and Mullins racks the first pitch down the line and right toward the pole, and out of here! Well, that didn't take long. A first pitch assault, an opening ambush levied by Cedric Mullins for a one nothing Baltimore lead. Yeah, and what they said on the postgame show on WTM last night was, we didn't know that that was the game. <laughs> that pretty much decided the game because the Guardians are struggling offensively and the Orioles are playing so well. Ryan Mountcastle kicking in. 1-0, Mountcastle swings deep back out to left field, looking up, and it's gone. Ryan Mountcastle goes yard, his 19th of the season, and the Orioles make it 3-0. That from WBAL on Wednesday, the Orioles promoted top prospect Gunnar Henderson, who looks so good in the first two games that Tom Hamilton was raving about him during his broadcast last night. Here's what Henderson did in the top of the second inning. Henderson swings, loses his helmet as he swings, as this heads out to right field. It's up, it is gone. Gunnar Henderson, welcome to the big leagues. His first hit and it leaves the ballpark. The Orioles take a two nothing lead. Yeah, that was on Wednesday night, the call from WBAL. Here was Henderson after the game being asked about that first hit. What was that feeling like rounding the bases and knowing the reception that was waiting for you in the dugout? Uh, it was a pretty pretty special feeling being able to do that uh, for my first hit and just uh, being able to see all the guys uh, in front of the dugout. It was pretty awesome. Meanwhile, for the Guardians, that's three shutout defeats in their last four games. Their lead in the American League Central has melted. And meanwhile, the White Sox are suddenly playing better. They face the Royals on Thursday. Andrew Vaughn, the batter, and he hits one high and deep to left. And it's going to go. And just like that, the White Sox have the lead. It's 3-1. to one. Len Casper on ESPN 1000. The White Sox winning back-to-back games. The Twins are playing better. And so the Guardians' lead has just about evaporated in the Central. Mariners, Tigers, Julio Rodriguez got it done. 
Rodriguez against Rodriguez. Breaking ball hammered. Deep left field. High, far, and way out of here. Oh, baby. Dave Sims, Seattle Sports, 610 AM with that call. Mariners win 7-0. Spencer Strider threw for the Braves last night, and he was totally dominant, setting a record. The stretch. The pitch. Sargon missed. He struck him out. Spencer Strider with his 16th punch out. And that is a Braves team record. Strider threw only 42 pitches in his first four innings. He did not allow a walk during the course of the entire game. Going to be talking with Carl Ravitch about whether Strider or his teammate Michael Harris II should be the frontrunner for National League Rookie of the Year. The Braves had hoped to make up ground on the Mets, who were in first place in the National League East. The Mets have been wrapped in this uh, biggest series of the week against the Dodgers. The Mets lost the first game of the series, came back and won the second game. That amazing catch by Brandon Nimmo taking a home run away from Justin Turner. And then on Thursday, they played the final game of that series, and it was Brandon Nimmo again who had a pivotal moment. Nimmo pops one up in the shallow right. Lux retreating. That's coming. Oh, and miscommunication, and it falls, and McCann scores. Wow. Lux thought that Betts was calling him off. Betts thought that Lux was going to take it. Another mistake by the Dodger defense. Hands the Mets another run, and it's 4-2 to two New York. Gary Cohen on SNY. The Mets win the game 5-3, to three. and afterward, Chris Bassett talked about how it feels to beat the Dodgers in the series. It's just another game. I'm not trying to – I've said this about the Braves. I've said this about now the Dodgers. It's just it's, – it's not – it's not who we play. Like this is not the playoffs. I, I know it may not be cool for like the fans, kind of thing, or whatever it may be. But it's just another game. Um, if this was the playoffs, I'd be saying a whole lot of different things. But uh, it's just another game. We have a we have a long way to go. We have a whole month to go. So it's just a good win against a good team, and that's about it. Here's Buck Showalter, manager of the Mets. Well, you, you you know it's a battle. You know, every year, pitches away, inches. It's just it's just a close battle against a, a really good team. That uh, it's good to you know establish that we can play with them on, on these on these uh, what seven games. But um, you know, let's let's face it. They're in a little different mode now. They're trying to get probably some things they're doing right now that they won't do down the road. But you know, it is what it is. They're trying to win. They've got really good players. Uh, we're able to, you know, keep some of their best players hurting us too much. So I thought it was, the key was how well we pitched for three games. You have to match their pitching, and our guys did. One other note, Major League Baseball has suspended free agent pitcher Carlos Martinez for 85 games for violating its joint domestic violence, sexual assault, and child abuse policy. Major League Baseball said Thursday the punishment is retroactive to June 19th, under the policy, Martinez will participate in a confidential evaluation treatment program supervised by the league's joint policy board. The 30-year-old Martinez also was suspended for 80 games in May under baseball's minor league drug program after he tested positive for PDs. Taylor, what else you got? A couple things, Buster. First of all, 
you know, everyone's doing their fantasy football drafts, the NFL kicking off on Thursday night. If you need some last minute assistance on those drafts, look no further. Fantasy Focus Football has got you covered. Shows five days a week with Field Yates, Stefania Bell, Mike Clay, and Daniel Dopp. Check them out wherever you listen to your podcast. And we're not going to have a show on Monday, it being Labor Day. We respect the summer holidays around here, but you will find a little something in your feed. We've been talking about that 30 for 30 podcast. Uh, the longest game episode, really good stuff uh, from the spring of 1981. The Pawtucket Red Sox and the Rochester Red Wings went for 33 innings. It's uh, really well done. So we're going to drop that in your feed on Monday and we will be back on Tuesday with Tim and the YouTube segment and all that. We're driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Buster. Just go to Indeed.com slash Buster right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Buster. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, the clutch hits, the strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So whoever's up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. All aboard. It's the Rabby Train with Carl Rabbit. And the Rabby Train this weekend is headed to Los Angeles, uh, where Rabby will be doing play-by-play on Sunday Night Baseball, Padres, Dodgers. Uh, I will not be there, uh, but I'm, I will certainly be watching. You fired up for that game? I am fired up for that game. I'm fired up for the fact, in a way, that uh, you know you're moving on to another chapter, and that's for good reason to not be there. And uh, you also recognize it may be 106 degrees at first pitch, so you're smart. You're going to be in nice, cool air. Um, so yeah, I am. I am fired up. Uh, the, the Dodgers have become a bit curious all of a sudden, and it's not just because they're leaving City Field and the Mets are really good and they lost. Uh, I'm a little worried about some of their pitching news that's coming out lately with Gonsolin, who's his forearm strain is, 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 according to Roberts, not progressing the way that, that they'd like, and that's never a good thing. And Bruce Dark Granderall is a really important part of that uh, bullpen. You know, his elbow is barking. So um, there are things going on in L.A. 
in spite of their incredible record and, and sort of the monsters of the midway, if you will, with how they've dominated uh, the West and really all of baseball, that when you get down to it towards the end of this regular season into the postseason, there, there may be some there may be some real concerns, especially with some of the competition they're going to have to face. So, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to getting out there, sitting down with Dave Roberts and uh, some of the players and just trying to figure out exactly where they where they think they are. 106 degrees. Are you serious? I have not seen that forecast. Oh, yeah, I know. It's, uh, you know, they have this heat dome. It's supposed to be record setting heat in Los Angeles. And they're talking about all sorts of real power issues, water conservation issues. Yeah, this is a this is a historically hot weekend through Labor Day that they're anticipating in Los Angeles. Well, and I feel for I think it's Alden Gonzalez is uh, going to yeah. be sitting in my seat. And I, you know, every week take you behind the curtain. I don't think, Ravi, you know this. They contact me like on Tuesday, Wednesday, going into Sunday night game and ask me, okay, which side do you want to sit on? And I always pick the side where there's the shade. And in Dodger <laughs> Stadium, there is no shade in the spot where they Not have really. you. And on top of no. that, uh, because the seats are low, uh, uh, you can't use an umbrella. So, I, I, you know, Alden would be sitting there in that sunshine direct sunshine for most of that game. So I, I appreciate him uh, sitting in that seat this week. Yeah. Yeah. It's not going to be, it's not going to be fun. Well, uh, is it possible that uh, at the end of the year, you know, the Dodgers are you know, going to blow past the uh, run differential. I think for the Yankees of 1998, they were plus three or nine. The Dodgers might finish up around three fifty. They'll run away with the National League West. And yet, is it possible they're going to start, the postseason is the third best team in the National League. I think it's very possible. I think I think at the very least, the injuries, um, the performance of the Braves, what the Mets just did, how Degrom looks, assuming assuming, and their big assumption with the Mets is Degrom is going to be on a rotation in the postseason that allows him to make his starts every fifth day. We, we haven't seen that, so that's that's a bit of an issue. But at the very least. I think you don't go in thinking the team that you know is going to win 100 plus games is the is the clear favorite, which it has been. No, I think the Braves and the Mets and the Dodgers are all in the in the same sentence. Um, you obviously saw what Strider did last night. I hope any idea that he may go to the bullpen and be some type of weapon versus a starting pitcher has has sort of been washed away. Because you throw him, <clears throat> excuse me, with Max Reed, then I, I feel great about games one and two. And we know how important those games are, let alone six and seven if you ever get there. So, yeah, I, I think I wouldn't necessarily say they're the third best team because I do think a lot of things injury-wise can happen. But they're certainly not, the, the, by far and away, the first best team. They're, they're equal. They're, they're all... They're all even, and this was a really important series for the New York Mets, uh, and they did it, you know, without Max Scherzer starting one of the games. Yeah, and in that series, of course, I mean, there's so much. First off, the atmosphere was phenomenal. The games were absolutely right. phenomenal. The Mets wound up taking two out of three. I think the moment we're all going to remember from the series happened in the second game. Brandon Nimmo yeah. making an incredible play with Justin Turner uh, hitting the ball. Give a listen. One to Turner. That's lifted in the air, deep to center, back for it, Nemo, still going toward the warning track, leaping up at the wall, Nemo, made the catch, oh my goodness, what a catch, Brandon Nemo, up near the wall in right center, may have taken a home run away from Justin Turner. 
That was Wayne Randazzo's call on WCBS. Here was Jacob DeGrom, who reacted with such emotion at the moment that catch was made. This was Jacob after the game. Yeah, that was awesome. You know, made a mistake there, and uh, he helped me out. It's funny because before the game, I told him, hey, Nim's a lot of defense, and then I was joking with him when he came off. I'm like, hey, actually, listen. So, um, you know, the guys did a great job, you know, um, coming out, scoring some runs, and I was trying to, you know, keep them at zero. Uh, made a mistake to Mookie, and then, you know, that one to Justin Turner, but uh, great catch by Brandon. Here was Nimmo. Well, that one's that one's probably number one. I, I can't really think of one uh, in a bigger situation that's better right now. So, um, I mean, the, the no hitter catch is really important and really fun to be a part of. Um, but no question, this one robbing a home run, it, it probably probably trumps that because it, it's robbing a home run, and uh, you know we end up winning by one run. So um, that's that's probably at the top. Yeah, Carl, I think Brandon Nimmo, you know, for years has been one of your favorite players, one of my favorite players. I get to drive through his home state tomorrow on my way to Montana. <laughs> That's uh, right. You know, it, it, uh, love the backstory with him. Love the pure joy that he plays with. Yeah, is there a, are you going to stop at the Nimmo farm? I mean, I know he grew. I know he grew up, or at least the first few years, he was on the back of horses. Everyone else in his family seemed to enjoy it a little bit more than he did, and he had to go seek places to play baseball with kids his age because where he grew up, there just there just weren't that many. But he's uh, he's quite quite the athlete, the natural athlete, which is what I love about him. I mean, he's fastest fastest lightning. He he does everything on a baseball field you want. The two parts about the catch that I think were so critical, uh, A, were, was his reaction, which let everybody know, you know, just literally how enthusiastic, how into the moment, how important he knew it was, how literally how psyched he was for himself to make such an incredible play. And he paid it off with his interview where he said, and we won the game by one, because as we all know, the, those plays, as great as they are, feel so much greater when you actually win the baseball game. It's like somebody having two home runs, you know, and seven RBIs and the team loses 10-7. It kind of gets lost. He, he made the catch that preserved the one-run uh, lead, which they ended up winning by. So uh, everything, you know, worked for him and the Mets in that situation. But that part was just – just seeing his reaction was so – it was like life reaffirming. You know, we just left the Little League World Series, and, and that was a Little League I was just going to say this. I was just going to say this to you, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, that's just what we witnessed, you know, and all of that stuff and the crowd and uh, eventually the trumpets, et cetera. But, yeah, that, that's what you – you know, that's what I, I, I – that's one of the reasons, and you know this, that I love going to Williamsport every year because you, you're allowed to to emote. This is not – this is not getting – to first base and looking to the dugout or second base and kind of doing whatever it is the team does. This was unabashed. Here I go. Everybody can see me. I am so fired up for what I just did. We do see that in Williamsport. We got a chance to see it, you know, in that game. And uh, that, that was my favorite part of it, uh, let alone, you know, the idea that they ended up winning the game. But for Nimmo, winning in the Mets, that was the most important part. I love his reaction. Loved it. Yeah. Uh, on, uh, on the drive yesterday, I was listening to a lot of sports talk radio, and there's some fans calling in, and that's okay. They they have their fan perspective. They were calling in and basically saying, Nimmo, you know, with what he said after the game, with his emotion, should act like he's been there before. And I was laughing. No. No. I know Brandon no. Nimmo, and you know Brandon Nimmo, and that's Brandon Nimmo. Like, that, the, everything you saw the other day, the pure joy uh, of a little leaguer, that Brandon Nimmo is still that, even though he's uh, in his 20s now. 
I want I want Brandon Nimmo on my team all day long, and I want that reaction on my team all day long. I want Jacob Degrom looking out and saying, "My man just saved the game for me." I mean, that, yep. that's the other part of it that we don't talk about. Degrom pitched an unbelievable game. If that ball goes over the wall, it's two-two, and we're into bullpens, and and we know anything can happen. So he he did. He saved the game because the Dodgers. Buster, I had Sarah Langs look this up. The Dodgers run scoring in innings seven, eight, and nine are second best only to the Yankees. They feast on beating up bullpens. So uh, that, that was the connection I made knowing we're going into Los Angeles. How, how much do the Dodgers rely on getting the starting pitcher out? They beat, they beat the heck out of every pitcher. But when you're facing DeGrom and you know when he comes out that you're going to turn the game around, it happened yesterday. It happened yesterday for the Mets. Kershaw came out of the game after having given up <clears throat> one run, and you knew this was the time for the Mets to go. And the Mets yep. went, and the Mets ended up winning. That's the Dodgers' mentality, especially in a game where DeGrom was starting. If you could ever get him out in a tie game, you win the game. You, you emotionally have won. Thank God that guy's out of the game. Now we go. And that's exactly what the Mets did yesterday, and the Dodgers have done all year long. Yeah, the Dodgers have been so great during the regular season, but in a postseason series against the Mets or the Braves, uh, it feels like that the advantage in the starting pitching is yes. going to be with the Atlanta Braves. You mentioned, uh, or and the Mets, and not the Dodgers. You mentioned, you know, how the, the Braves in game one could go Max Freed, maybe Strider goes in game two. Then you got Kyle Wright, and then you have maybe one of the top ten pitchers in the postseason the last decade in Charlie Morton you know, going at the back end. So their rotation's in great shape. Um, about Strider, I wanted to ask you, as of this moment, who do you have as National League Rookie of the Year? Michael Harris is second, who's been difference-making with his defense. Uh, one of our Sunday night games, Max Freed, said he really felt like the, the Braves took off after Harris was put in his center field. Or do you have Spencer Strider? Yeah, I I probably because I I tend to side with somebody that that can do it on both sides of the baseball and now that now that Harris uh, and he does it to me in three ways a he plays defense he does get on base and he's got he's got sort of game changing ability when it comes to running the bases I'd probably give him a slight edge but Strider has you know two more double digit strikeout performances it only bolsters his case it, it is interesting isn't it that the Cardinals have two of the leading candidates for MVP in Goldschmidt and Arenado, and the Braves have two of the leading candidates for Rookie of the Year in, in Strider and Harris. Um, there, there's, there's a unique uh, you know, comparison those two teams can make because they have two of the superior players for these awards at the same time. And you know, I know I'm digressing a little. When Jack Flaherty comes back, if he's really good, you know, the Cardinals quickly jumped to that level probably just below those three teams because if Jack Flaherty is going to be a good starting pitcher for them, uh, that's, a, that's a very dangerous team, very dangerous. But we'll have to wait and see. But, but again, back to your answer, I would, I would give the slight edge to Harris, but knowing uh, Strider's got a couple of more starts and we throw up 13 and, and 10 or 13 and 13 strikeout performances – it's going to be very hard not to vote for him, to ignore him in that race. 
I must say there are times when I'm thankful that I no longer vote in any of the major awards. And I think this was one of them because <laughs> when <laughs> I don't know how you choose between the two, uh, the numbers for the two players, uh, Strider after last night, 114 and two thirds innings pitched 74 hits, just six homers, 38 walks, Carl, 174 strikeouts mm-hmm. with a two six seven ERA. 174 strikeouts in 114 and two-thirds innings. That's ridiculous. And then for Harris, uh, he's got an OPS plus of 137. He's already got 3.9 war. Strider's got 3.5 war. Harris, 14 homers, 298 (laughs) batting average, 16 steals, and the impact on defense that we've talked about. I'm glad that I don't have to choose between those two. I'm gutless. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. That's a that's a hard, but that's the point about St. Louis. You could you could argue you could split the vote uh, between those two. You could split the vote between the two on the Atlanta Braves. Um, and look, in Strider's case, what works in the postseason? Guys that can go in there and strike nice. people out, power pitching, and that is such a huge advantage. And by the way, this was the team that won the World Series last year. And there was no Harris, and there was no Strider. So you could make the case that those two weapons, as good as Duvall and Peterson and Solaire were, uh, give them a day-to-day consistency that they didn't have last year, and maybe maybe that's as comfortable or more comfortable going into the postseason than they were last year. All right, I want to talk to you about the Baltimore Orioles. Last night I, I mentioned driving across Pennsylvania – I got to listen to the entirety of the uh, Cleveland and Baltimore game. And the, you know, first off, it was uh, Tom Hamilton on WTAM. So a lot of it was through the perspective uh, of the Guardians and their offensive struggles. They've been shut out three times in the last four games. A lot of concern about where that offense is, but uh, also a lot of admiration for the Orioles and for how well they're playing and how their pitching is developing. And Gunnar Henderson, wow. Uh, Carl, he looks the part of a guy who, like Adley Rutschman, is going to be around for a long time. Yeah, which is really good. You know, you go two for four uh, in your debut, hit a ball 430 feet, your hat falls off, um, Corbin Carroll shows up, Adley Rutschman's at the top step giving guys hugs. I mean, look, and and you have a you know front office that, that claims – claims we're going to spend on free agency in the off season. You can see the ingredients are in the kitchen here for what should be an unbelievable long-term meal moving forward. I mean, that's a, that's a really great thing. And what Gunner does is he reaffirms the kind of that opinion of the team. And now everyone else can say, well, in that division where the Yankees and Red Sox and Rays and, and Blue Jays reside, the Orioles are absolutely um, in a position flush with young talent. They're getting pitching. There's a little bit more of an attitude. They kind of they weathered this this self-created storm. Brandon Hyde is still the manager. I mean, we saw them there in in Williamsport. There's there's a real good feeling about them. That yep. hasn't been able to be said in Baltimore since Ripken was playing. Like, I'm sorry, I, I I don't care about the idea that they were they were great from 12 to 16. They 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 never felt like this building tsunami, and that's what it feels like now. That they are they are continuing to add brick by brick by brick to build, you know, a, a Game of Thrones fortress here, and that's a. That's another great step. When you see somebody else come up and all of a sudden they produce, and look, he's going to go, he's going to have, 
he's going to have that, that period where all of a sudden you level off and then you struggle. Um, but uh, the idea you can circle Adley Rutschman as your main guy, it feels a lot like the Giants with Posey. Um, that's our that's our ballast, and we're building around him. And then the pieces that they've got continue to show up and do well. Uh, it's neat, and it and it makes the, it makes September really good in Baltimore. You you know this. You live in cities where your baseball team is out of it in September, and, and they have the Ravens. But many cities don't have football. Many cities have people who really want their baseball team to get into the postseason. When they're out of it in September, it sucks. When they're in it in September, that's 28 nights of entertainment. That's 28 nights where you are listening to or watching your team, knowing that now I got to check to see what the Blue Jays did, what the Twins did. I got to make sure that the American League wild card still has us very much in it. You got that right now in the Charm City, and that's a huge deal. It's a huge deal for me as a baseball fan to know, yep. I got a reason, man. My team is in it. I can't wait for tonight. I can't wait for tomorrow night. I love that, and that's that's a real tribute to what they've done there in Baltimore. And and the idea that Henderson and, and Rutschman are there, and they they seem to be like they're going to be above average, if not star players. My gosh, I, I'm all in on that. I love that. Uh, before you go, give me 60 seconds on whether or not you think Shohei Otani has cracked the uh, uncrackable uh, case for Aaron Judge to be American League MVP. Yeah, I, th- I think he's put a big dent in it, and I think what happens is the Yankees lose. And this is it's weird because it's sort of a counter-argument. Uh, if Judge, if the Yankees win, the reason is Aaron Judge is hitting balls over the wall at a ridiculous yep. rate. Aaron Judge is still doing that. The Yankees aren't winning, and it's almost as if it somehow drags him down with the ship right now, which is obviously is taking a step backwards. If the Yankees were winning, I think the conversation would be far greater for Aaron Judge. What Shohei is doing is reminding everybody, and I think it was Andy Martino of uh, of of the New York, you know, New York writer and a SNY, covers yeah. Base, yeah, covers baseball for SNY said when Aaron Judge wins 10 games, you know, then, then we can have this conversation. It's it's just a reminder with a sledgehammer that Shohei Otani does things that nobody else in the sport has ever done. And he's doing it again this year on a team that stinks, and he's doing it at an incredibly high level. So, yes, he's absolutely made a big crack in it. Get Aaron Judge to 61, it's going to be hard to vote against him, though. All right, Ravi. Well, travel safe and stay cool. You too. Congratulations on the move, and we'll see you soon. Dogs are an important part of our lives, and keeping them protected is a top priority, especially against nasty parasites. That's why you got to check out NexGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and Pyrantal chewable tablets. NexGuard Plus chews provide one-and-done monthly protection that kills fleas and ticks, prevents heartworm disease, plus... It treats and controls roundworms and hookworms. That's a whole lot of protection packed into a delicious beef-flavored soft chew designed to make monthly dosing easy and enjoyable. So the next time you're at the vet, ask about NextGuard Plus Chews. They're the one-and-done monthly parasite protection you want for your dog. Used with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurological disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting preventive. 
For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Jessica Mendoza is an analyst for ESPN and also on Dodger Games. Jess, what's going on? Nothing. Excited to be back on the pod I missed last week. Nice. Well, you were, I understand you were working like crazy at the Little League World Series. Felt like every time I turned on the TV, uh, there you were, uh, you know, watching that amazing team from Hawaii. Um, you know, I, I, I suspect that uh, in, in years to come, we're going to go back and run a video of that event and say, oh, yeah, this is when he was, this player was part of a championship team at the Little League World Series, and now he's in the big leagues. Yes? Yeah, and his name's Jaron Lancaster, because that will, to me at least, Right now, and there could be Keikoa Pionol. I could name a few of them, but Jaron Lancaster is already that kid where you're like, yeah, it'll be like our Cody Bellinger now, or, you know, when we talk about Todd Frazier and show the highlights, um, we get so many of the guys that make it, and then we look back at when they're so cute and little. Um, we'll get Jaron Lancaster in a video talking about how slick he is and how he's one with the ladies and all the things that a 12-year-old boy would say and later regret, so it's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> awesome all right i'm gonna put you on the spot here uh it is a uh it's a ninth inning your team has a one-run lead who do you want in the game edwin diaz or evan phillips the oh, wow. uh, levers for the mets and for the dodgers respectively yeah i mean i'm i'm biased because i see evan phillips all the time in person so like i know the person better but let's be real, Edwin Diaz's stuff is there. I don't think anyone can touch it, especially right now. I mean, just his breaking ball, like what he does with his fastball. I mean, just everything about him. It's another level. But I feel like, as far as trust, maybe because, you know, I was with the Mets for a bit and like just knowing Diaz's struggles in the past, like if it, the game's on the line, this is all, all you got. Like Evan Phillips is to me like the most trusted guy in baseball. He's been able to pick up a Dodgers bullpen when, like, I mean, I say pick up because everyone's like, are you kidding me? They're going to hit 90 wins before we know it. Like, this team is so good. Um, you know, how, you know, how is there any struggle at all? And to me, it's been the back end of the bullpen that still needs a little bit of, like, trust and help with Craig Kimbrell's struggles. So, to me, Evan Phillips is, but I'm super biased, and I'm probably the only person outside of Dodger Nation that would say that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say the one thing about the Dodgers bullpen, we're getting close, you know, we're a month away from the playoffs and it feels like there are all these roles that has to be, have to be sorted through by the time we get there. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm not worried about it. I feel like, you know, we've talked about this with the Dodgers, even the last four years with Kenley Jansen, when he was struggling off and on with that closer role and Dave Roberts was getting the questions of, is he going to stay in that role? I feel like it's different this year. And I think a big reason is because, you know, I think the Dodgers have already secured first place. They they have an idea that they're not sharing right now what they're going to be doing in the postseason, and they don't have to establish that right now. They can put whoever they want, wherever they want, and even though they're playing, you know, some bigger games that might give them some idea of October, at the end of the day, they've secured the NOS. They're, what, like, I mean, 
you know, they're within, you know, a, a double digit number of securing <laughs> the division. It's crazy. Um, so they don't have to figure it out right now, but I do think it's going to be different from years past where we're not going to see that set closer is this guy. I think we're going to be seeing who pitches against what part of the lineup and really a different uh, look to a Dodgers bullpen. Are you as shocked as I am? Cause you saw it firsthand that Edwin Diaz has been able to mentally dig himself out of the hole that he was in in New York as a closer, which, let's face it, in baseball, that is the job that uh, leaves you most vulnerable uh, to a fan reaction. Uh, and we certainly saw the fans, it, uh, Mets fans, react so negatively to him. Exactly. I, I feel like what I always felt like was going to happen was he was going to have to leave New York. And it was almost like, you know, like PTSD, like he was going to be going through all of this stuff of like, you know, of year, you know, a couple of years of just literally like the, the whole entire area hating him, you know, just the whole trauma of just like having to pitch under so much pressure and fail continuously and being, have your picture thrown on like the back page of every single New York, um, you know, newspaper. I, but I, what I've been really proud of the person is the fact that he has been able to put all of that behind him in the same place and not only just do it, but then do it consistently and even better. I mean, I feel like the stuff and the way he's looked now was even better than in Seattle, like in, you know, when no one was watching and he could go out, no pressure, like loose as ever. There's a different fire in him. And I feel like a big reason why is because of what he's had to overcome, come through within that same uniform. So there's almost like a little extra fire when he's throwing now. I told you I was going to put you on the spot. Here's another one. Uh, 2023, Jacob DeGrom makes his first start in what team's uniform? He, of course, had the option to uh, opt out of his deal with the Mets after the season. Give me a guess as to what he's going to do. I mean, I, I think New York, I mean, and that's, I know he might opt out. I feel like, well, he will. And if he, when he does, like, I feel like New York's going to just want to do whatever it takes to keep him there. Unless there's just something deep down inside of him that wants to move, go somewhere else, try a different thing, but we'll see how October goes. I mean, ultimately Jacob DeGrom does want to win and he's the best pitcher in all of baseball. So he has that option to then put himself out there. And depending on the, how the Mets do, I mean, right now you think, okay, this is a team that's headed for the World Series or at least deep into October. But let's see what happens once they get to October. And I, I just ultimately see him with the Mets. I've talked to players with other teams who believe that he's going to be with the Braves next year. I'll just tell you that. So we'll see. All uh, right. It's okay, like a Roy we Halliday. What were you going to say? Keep this recorded, and then we get back. Taylor, you got us next March. Like we're got gonna, it. yeah. Someone yeah, owes we'll, someone dinner. Yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. We'll see what happens. But I, I think Degrom, and you've been around him. Uh, he kind of reminds me of Roy Halladay in his uh, when he left the Blue Jays and basically uh, forced his way to the Philadelphia Phillies because he wanted spring training and that workout. Uh, you know, the ability to be right near his home. I think that's what's going to happen with DeGrom after talking with other players. They think he's just kind of a no-frills guy. He's just going to want to pitch. Uh, and they think that he, the money's not going to be as much of a factor as it is. I want to play on a good team. I want to play with good guys. And I want to play closer to home. Yeah. No, and I think all of that except for the last could still happen in New York, depending on how October goes. Okay. Uh, well, like we said, we'll, we'll go back. Okay. Give me the teams. I'm not going to ask you to make a world series prediction, but give me the teams you believe could win the world series. 
once the postseason start? Because I think that's not a long list. No, I feel like it's, I mean, Yankees Astros are like the first two that come like obviously American league, like just, and we've been debating this, you know, all year long. And that's kind of been like the easier one. Um, you know, there's some sort of dream that I have because I live out here that Seattle will make like just a really good run, <laughs> like get there and somehow. Are you buy, but are life. you putting them in that category? Do you think no. they can win the World Series? Okay. Sorry. I just wanted to say Seattle Mariners on the podcast, so okay. I just said it. Doesn't mean. <laughs> um, yeah, and then I think Dodgers Mets Braves like that to me is five teams. All right, uh, there's been potentially a new entrant over the last few weeks, and that would be the St. Louis Cardinals. Are you buying? Yeah, I am only because October is such a beautiful time and the Cardinals are that team. I mean, ask the Dodgers, you know, um, we're sitting here debating, you know, the Dodgers, are they going to get to 117 wins and blah, blah, blah. Like I could care less, like honestly. And I know for like the sake of history and all the things that happened over the course of a regular season, I am so excited right now for October to start because none of that matters. <laughs> And let's be real, like who's talking about the Seattle Mariners of 2001? I mean, no one talks about them except for when these records come up because they didn't do a whole heck of a lot once they got to October. They got swept, you know, by the Yankees. So to me, I I just, I'm really excited to see a team like the Cardinals because I do think like they have the potential, especially listening to Adam Wainwright the other night, like just everything, the magic that they have with Albert Pujols and Yachty and all their last years. And like, there's something magical that I could see happening, but are they top five team to me right now? No. Okay. Could they do something pretty cool in October? Sure. Last one. Uh, I'm going to make you the new advisor to the incoming owner of the angels. What would you tell him to do with Shohei Otani? You could write it out and uh, see him become a free agent in the fall and uh, try to bid for him. You could trade him potentially this winter, get some pieces back, or you could just wave the white flag and go to him and say, whatever it takes, what would you advise? Okay. Well, I'm always going to be a baseball fan first. And that's probably why I don't have a lot of money. (laughs) 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 Like I'm sure when you're talking like multi-billionaires, which is every baseball owners, they think completely different. I feel like most of the time, um, for me, like as a fan, I just can't separate it. And if I'm owning the angels, I believe that my organization is a huge market team in my head and that they're a big deal and all these things. So then like that person would keep them, but the fan in me right now, like, like I really can't imagine being an owner cause I don't have that kind of money. Freaking trade them. <laughs> wow. No kidding. See, I, I would, what I would tell the incoming owner if I were given an advisory position would be, look, this is essentially, this is the first big move that's going to be a referendum on your ownership. Whatever you pay him, he's going to be worth it. And even if he breaks down in year eight or nine of, a, you know, the massive deal you're going to give him, $45 million a year, it's going to be worth it. It's part of the reason why I felt like, when the Dodgers uh, were taken over by the Guggenheim group, you remember they had those huge payrolls. <laughs> like they doled out a bunch of contracts. They spent a bunch of money. I think that's what Steve Cohen's doing with the Mets. I think it's smart to sort of set the table. And the flip side of that would be, uh, you know, the example I've used in the podcast, when Derek Jeter's group took over the Marlins, hey, we're here with the new guys. We trade Stanton. We trade Real Muto. We trade Yelich. And then it was kind of more of the same. I almost feel like you're making an investment 
in that first impression that you're, you're, uh, no, I, I totally agree. Like if I'm an act, if I'm actually the owner, like you're, you're holding on to him in any capacity possible. Like I said, because you believe your angels franchise is the biggest thing around, but at the end of the day, it's not like, and so as a fan, this is, I guess what I'm, what I'm saying is I'm a really bad advisor because I, I am a fan first. And as a fan, I want to see Shohei Otani on another team. Okay. Now I understand. But I would lie to, I would lie in my advisor role. So <laughs> if there's a new owner, do not call me. I will poorly advise you to do what's best for baseball and not what's best for your team. So do the opposite <laughs> of what Jess said. Don't yeah. trade him and give him all the money that he needs and sign him. All right, Jess, thanks for doing this. Yeah, you got it, Buster. The Yankees went 10 and 18 in the month of August. They've lost almost 10 games off their first place lead in the American League East. Yankees manager Aaron Boone had his regular appearance on the Michael K show on Thursday. I get to listen to some of that during my drive. He spoke with Dave Rothenberg and Peter Rosenberg. Give a listen. It is time for the Aaron Boone report. Let's get right into it. Um, Aaron, what's up? It's Peter Rosenberg and Dave Rothenberg this week. What's up, guys? How you doing? We're good. Just another week with a motley crew until the great Michael K graces us with his presence uh, <laughs> next week. Um, uh, Aaron, listen, this is a week where I, I have to say I was like, I'm a little little nervous about talking to you because I can't imagine your mood is, is the best it's been all year. And I'm very nervous, Aaron, because yeah. you and I haven't talked in years <laughs> since you were at ESPN. So take it easy on me. <laughs> so yeah. let's okay. just start. Let's just start here. What's the uh, what's the morale like in that locker room after a tough week and, and a tough month? Yeah. Um, you know, I think morale is okay. Um, you know, I think guys are, guys are ticked off and which, which is a good thing. You know, we need to, obviously we just had a really rough month and, and we all realized we gotta, we gotta be a little bit better. You know, we're, we're playing in these close games and, and we got to find a way to win those games, especially until, you know, we really get our offense clicking again, which which we got to get rolling, and you know, getting some guys fully healthy and getting some guys fully back integrated into the lineup. <clears throat> you know, but we, so we've got to find a way to to win some of these close games that we've been in and and haven't been able to pull out. So I think guys are you know rightfully a little ticked off um, and <clears throat> understanding that you know we we've we've got to play better. Not only, not only just here, you know, moving forward and in the final month here to secure our playoff or and to win win a division title, but you know, to be a team that can truly compete for a world championship because that's what we're our goal is. We believe we're still very much capable of that despite our struggles that we've had of late. Um, and I think we all understand that we've 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 got to be a little bit better. Aaron, it's it's understood, it's established. I know you you know what's just happened in this month of August. Um, is, is the mm-hmm. team pressing? Like when you look at things and you you go you know down into the the clubhouse and you talk to guys, yeah. is there is it like a, a higher stress level? Is is this team pressing right now? I, I think there's been some of that that has gone on, yeah. And but that's not uncommon, honestly. Really, in any major league season, at different points of the season, for individuals that you know, are going through different things at times in the season or in their career or, or whatever it may be, you, you always deal with that. That's part of, that's part of major league sports. That's part of certainly major league baseball, um, you know, because it is, you know, such, such a game of failure that, you know, 
when it starts to go a little a little rough individually and you're not racking up wins as a team, you know, you, there there can be that tendency to press a little bit. So that's that's the balance we're always trying to strike, right? Is having that level of urgency, like making sure we're pouring into the right kind of work and getting prepared and everything, but also being able to have that balance of, hey, now we go out between the lines, it's 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 go play the game. And um so 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 yeah, I think there's been some times um over the last month, 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 month and a half where different guys to different degrees have kind of pressed and 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 dealt with the you know the the struggles and the pressures of the season all right Aaron I'm gonna get this out of the way I'm gonna ask you the tough one right here um well you you set Yankee Twitter ablaze late last night when you were questioned really? about IKF's uh costly error and you said right. and you said that IKF, IKF has been a great defender all season long one of the best in baseball when you look at the statistics, mm-hmm. which I'm looking at now, they do not seem yep. to bear that out. He seems to have had a below-average season defensively. What are you seeing that made you say he's having a great year defensively? Just the the internal numbers that we look at as far as that establish, you know, defensive run saved and range and, you know, making plays. I, I would say he's been in the top five to seven shortstops in the game defensively this year like without question and you know because he's had a couple errors and because for whatever he he draws the ire and and i get right now we're going through a tough stretch where we're not racking up wins and you know he bobbles a routine play and the next guy hits a home run it's 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 red meat for everyone to jump on i certainly understand that um, but it's also important in, in my position to step back and strip emotion away and, you know, evaluate what's gone on. And he has been an excellent defensive shortstop. Bleacher tweets. Alrighty, Buster Bleacher tweets for a fry D and these Bleacher tweets are brought to you by Dr. Pepper. It ain't college football season without the delicious taste of an ice cold Dr. Pepper. The one fans deserve PK Steinberg is up first. He writes in, what are the chances that we are underappreciating what Shohei Otani is doing? PK, I hear you. And by the way, PK has been like the superstar of the questions, right? I mean, he was the one who asked the lightning bolt question for Tim. He's had some other ones. I mean, he's dominated the Bleacher tweets (laughs) of late. Uh, in this one, I'm not buying that. Sorry, we've talked a lot about Shohei Otani. What do you think, Taylor? Yeah, yeah. I just think it now that we're in that, like, is he the MVP or is Aaron Judge the MVP? Do you want to give it to a guy on a bad team? Like, how good is he? I think that's where this discussion has sort of led to, but I don't think anyone's underappreciating what he's doing. No, I agree. Joe Peters at Joe Peters 17. If the Phantom franchise's book ever gets released, I would buy the first copy. I love this segment. More praise for our guy, Todd Radom, deservedly so. Nope, sorry, I would steal the first copy. You'd, you'd have to take the second copy, Joe. <laughs> and you'd be given that, you'd be gifted that copy too. So you're you're digging <laughs> into Todd's profit margins there. Uh, T. Jones at TNJ629 writes in, uh, he, this was to Hembo, but he says, is Isaiah Kiner-Falefa really a top defensive shortstop as Aaron Boone says? Mm. No, sorry, Hembo is off having kids. Yes. So he is not going to be the one who answers this. Uh, yes, Aaron Boone said that. You heard him uh, talk about it and defend his perspective uh, in, in that Michael Kay interview. 
shout out to Hembo and his wife and his two beautiful daughters that were birthed the yep. other day. We'll be hearing from him in Very a couple cool. weeks. Uh, Blue Domer Dave at Blue Domer Dave writes in Fangraphs and ESPN are only give, are giving the Orioles only a six percent chance to make the playoffs despite being just two games back on September first. I mean, sure, the ALE schedule is tough to close the season, but still, what say you, Buster? Yeah, so those, um, you know, those uh, playoff chances are based on, uh, you know, a statistical algorithm. And I understand where they get, you know, how they do their numbers. The, the here's, here's where the Orioles don't really apply is that they've got a lot of guys on their team who have emerged this year, you know, veteran guys on their pitching staff. And they have rookies who don't really have a track record. So I, I don't think that the Orioles really fit. The, the classic examples of teams when they're building an algorithm like that. And Dave, I totally agree with you. If you look at it right now, I think the Orioles are getting in the playoffs. Wow. As we sit here today, I think they'll actually get in uh, because they're playing so well. The Blue Jays are, are you know, they're kind of hanging in there, but they're not necessarily playing well. Uh, I would say, I'm just going to throw this out there, Taylor. I, if they wind up missing the playoffs by one game, I I, um, I wonder what the conversation is going to be. <laughs> I wonder. I wonder. I put it at like 37 and a half percent. I'm not putting it over 50. Oh, the, right yeah. With the Taylor uh, Oriole fan uh, algorithm. Yes. I put it in higher. Okay. Uh, I put it in higher that they're going to make the playoffs. I actually think they're going to make the playoffs. I love it. Very cool. Very cool. Let's go to Molten Bowlsworth at GoJones71. Molten writes in, you don't think the Blue Jays can win the World Series. Why are you so biased? Great question. <laughs> I think there's a bit of sarcasm there. We've had the bias bandwagon conversation for a lot of years. Um, I you know, I picked the Blue Jays to win the World Series before the year started, but Hunjin Ryu has, you know, the injury issues with him, and Jose Barrios has been a huge disappointment this year. Um, and on top of that, I, I have been really surprised that the front office during the course of the year did not make a deal to balance out that lineup. It's such a right-handed lineup, and in the postseason – it's going to be tough for that to play. We actually saw that with some of the Blue Jay teams from, you know, 2015, 2016, the Jose Bautista teams, where when you had a lineup that was so stacked on one side, Yankee teams of, of uh, you know, 2017, 2018, when you have a lineup that's not balanced, it's a problem when you face good teams. Tough look for the Blue Jays. Uh, Adam, who I'm not even going to wade into this, Adam KP, you know who you are. Uh, if Mookie Betts were hitting 300 or higher, would he be included in the NL MVP discussion, given what he's been doing from the leadoff spot and in the field? There aren't many guys I'd rather have on my team. Yeah, uh, he's going to definitely be in the top three. But Paul Goldschmidt, to me, is a runaway leader right now. Last one for the week. Luke Anthony at Luke Anthony writes in diehard podcast listener. How about including my twins in the running for the trip down bitter Boulevard? Granted, if they leapfrog Cleveland, they still have that bitter playoff losing streak to break. Luke, if they make the playoffs, how could they be on bitter Boulevard? Let me tell you something. If you want to hear bitter Boulevard, you should have listened to the talk radio after the uh, uh, guardians got shut out again last night. Like, I mean, it is total disaster uh, talk around this team. A lot of second guessing for their front office for not adding more at the trade deadline, not adding a veteran bat to stabilize that lineup. Alrighty, that does it for Bleacher Tweets for the week. Hashtag Bleacher Tweets on Twitter while you're watching games over the weekend. Again, we will be back on Tuesday.
That's it for today. My thanks to Carl, to Jess, to Sarah, to Taylor, Aaron Boone, and the Michael K Show. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And remember, hate and inequality based on skin color is something we need to fight against every single day. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply.